Hello, loyal listener. Yes. Welcome to an additional episode, because in true nothing much to talk about fashion, we spoke for too long about the wrong subject. And so now we're here with an additional episode to talk about the... More Spider-Man. Yeah, the rest of the Spider-Men. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would like to put a small brief note... (laughs) <laughs> that between the episode that um, you may have just listened to or the le- episode previous to this, I realised that I had my mic facing the wrong way. And so I now, sound significantly worse than I should have done. Now, you would think that, you know, not to rub it in or anything, but I'm if anything, I'm going to give you a little defence because our, our classical picture of a microphone might be different to how they're envisioning yours. And so they might think... The, the, I just the, imagine the fluffy I, end is just facing yeah. away. <laughs> You're talking into the wrong end of like a boom mic or something, yeah. but it isn't quite that bad. But it is like you know, it's it's just. I have a I have a pop mm. filter on my mic. Yes. Um, but it's a rotated one. Mm. You can put it all the way around the mic yeah. if you want. So it was just facing on the wrong side of the mic, and so I had it facing towards me, what I thought was the front. But it wasn't the front of the mic, and it's it looks like an omnidirectional microphone, but it's not. I blame whoever put the filter that way, unless it was you. It was me. Okay. I was just in my it was in my bag, so it rotated in it. That's besides the point. Yeah. I'm an idiot. I apologize, Spider Man. Yeah. So, yeah, welcome to another episode of Nothing Much to Talk About. Oh, you're doing the intro this time. I know. No, I'm, that's, trying, oh God, I'm trying I to emphasize, see how it feels. It's about <laughs> a size nine and I'm a size eight, so it's ah, not quite right. <laughs> oh, that's not... Do, wait, do, does, is the subtext of that that I'm good at it? Because I don't feel that way either. But. Are you a size nine? I um, no, I'm like a ten. So neither of us are good. We're at both bad. It's all good. wrong. I didn't realize I was an accurate reading there. I thought you were just playing with metaphors. No, I am legitimately a okay. Spider-Man. Yes, you, the Web's amazing Spider-Man things. by Mark Webb, directed by Mark Webb in mm. 2012. 12, 12, yeah. Yes, same year as Dark the Olympics. Night. That I was going to say. I was talking more from a film perspective. But the Olympics. Say, say, yeah, same it was year filmed. As, yes. Uh, same year as uh, The Dark Knight Rises and The Avengers. To put out the other sort of superhero competition that Sony were, I think, aiming for with this one, I think it's fair to say. Definitely. Mm. It's wild to think that that was The Avengers. Like, yeah. The, thinking the first... about where we're at now. Yeah, I know. It's That's sort of the great thing about looking back on the history of Spider-Man it, on film. It's very much the history of superhero cinema as well. Because in 2012, it was considered a big novelty to see multiple heroes in the same film like the Avengers, you know, with, and, and then it's only like four, really four people with their own films. Yeah. You, know, you got Black Widow and Hawkeye, but they're sort of tertiary characters. I would say at that point that only just got fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. In years. that film, not having their own independent films like Iron Man, Captain America and Hulk. At the time. And Hulk. Yes. Even though it's a different actor, but still it technically it is the same. Canonically, it's still the same. Yeah. It, it happened. Yeah. Anyway, 2012, amazing Spider-Man. So Sony, were like briefly pursuing the idea of doing a follow-up with Sam Raimi and then that sort of fell apart which is a shame as well because some like info that's come out about that everyone working on it knew immediately especially Sam Raimi apparently they knew that three was not the note they wanted to go out on they explicitly said we want and it was written to be an end of the story and they wanted to go out on a high note and really sort of craft a film that stood alongside the other two and it just sadly didn't come to be which yeah. is a, a real shame i th- you know there's talk of amazing spider-man 3 i honestly think there should whether it'll happen or not i honestly think you should get that same kind of talk for spider-man 4 maybe i can understand the thought process mm. but i think it's too far gone now for spider-man 4 i think you should i i think it it requires sort of a rethinking of how we budget superhero films and we i mean studios i think don't go 200 million just give like a pretty modest budget to mark webb and sam raimi and let them make their own, like, standalone things. You know, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. Again, going off topic, but back to 2012. I mean, we're only talking about this because of unknown speculation of a film that we have not seen yet, of course. Well, I mean, yeah, because because um, Spider-Man's in the news at the minute. Yes, exactly. For no other reason. That's like, the only we're reason just we're running doing up this. To the I haven't Spider-Man checked films. why he's in the news, but I see people talking about it. The kids are tweeting, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to... Talk about the Spider-Man. Talking about that webhead, you see. I'm going to saunter up to those kids and be like, how do you do, fellow kids? I like (laughs) Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man, in this case. 
Because 2012, Mark Webb, director of 500 Days of Summer. Cool indie film about young love. Seems kind of fitting. Could work. But a weirdo. Yeah, exactly. A weird social guy. outcast in his own way. Yeah. That yeah. somehow ends up getting the girl for a bit. I don't know how, but whatever. You know, because he, he likes the Smiths. Yeah. Hmm, that's it. That's it. Whereas Peter I mean, Parker... I, I'm not, a place I'm not willing to go to get a girlfriend. So, you know. Just... Whereas, um, whereas Peter Parker understandably gets the girl in this film because yes. he's Andrew Garfield. Yes. He's hot as fuck. That's the... So, this is the thing. I'm gonna, And it's important to make a distinction here when I say this. I don't think Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man, but I do think Andrew Garfield is the best actor to ever play Spider-Man. Intriguing. Now, what I mean by that is, um, and this is no offence to these other two actors, I wouldn't say that Tobey Maguire or Tom Holland have really like blow me away outside of their work as spider-man now tom holland obviously very much a developing career and he's been very busy with the mcu he's been in more films than the other two have over you know several years but again i i think he hasn't quite uh found like a distinctive voice outside of spider-man yet for me other than that lip sync where he was rihanna yeah so um, that was you know, have you, that, have you, that's the most powerful performance of the decade it's true yeah as a brief note have you seen cherry because i have not i i haven't seen cherry i haven't heard great things it's, it's been i did see the devil all the time and he's quite good in that yeah, i heard really good things but, about that but he's it's it's sort of it's okay it's not really i think it, it's a case of the film itself having its own sort of structural issues that to hold him back from being great be i very much interested to see what he'll do in like a in more dramatic roles as he shifts there because he shows a lot of really good stuff in spider-man yeah. but yeah i think whereas my point is that, like, Andrew Garfield, I think, almost to his, um, weirdly, I think, to his detriment as sort of being remembered as Spider-Man, because people remember him more as an actor than they do as Spider-Man, so they assume that he wasn't that good as Spider-Man un- until they're reminded of it. Yeah. But, um, so, like, even before Spider-Man, you have The Social Network and Red Riding and a film that I haven't seen but have been told is very good, and I love the book, um, Never Let Me Go. I'll get around to seeing it, but he's, he was, I've seen the other two and he was very good in those and he was apparently very good in Never Let Me Go. And then of course, since then he's been in Silence and Hacksaw Ridge and Tick, Tick, Boom. And which again, I haven't seen, but again, I'm told he's very good. I've seen clips of it and he seems very good in it. He is. Seen Silence and Hacksaw Ridge. Again, great in both of those. So it's, you know, that's, that's sort of what I mean. He is the actor who is most displayed outside of Spider-Man for me, that he is a real, like here to stay generational talent. I think as well, um, and I'm only going to very briefly mention this debate because I'm very tired of it as a debate, but he is the bridge that can bring back the Scorsese fandom and the, Sp- <laughs> and the Marvel yes, fandom. that's true. He can bring he, us together. He needs on to it. unite them, yes. Because I'm so tired of that debate. Yeah, oh, but, I just wish people would stop bringing it up. Yeah. That's the thing. He I, does, I, sorry. He, neither yeah. of them really no. care. No, that's neither the thing. Neither side actually cares. That's the thing. It's It's... It's funny to me, not to delve into it, but it's funny to me that he made those comments two years ago and people are still dredging it up. As if he doesn't, he just hasn't seen them. Don't like, stop annoying him. Yeah. He doesn't care that much, really. He doesn't hate you for watching them. <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, Andrew and, and my good friend Andrew, because I know him personally. Yeah. He's <laughs> Mr. Girl. Yeah. He's just really good in these films. And it goes, I think, underappreciated because of the messy tone around them. Yeah, I think the... Uh, I saw a video explaining it recently, why the films in themselves, like, the, the tonal shift is the problem with them. Mm. Is that it's the scene with uh, in The Amazing Spider-Man where Spider-Man first kind of um, gets into it. And it's the... The guy, the small knives scene. The guy when oh, he's, like, yes, finds yeah. him in the car. And he's like quipping and he's like webbing the door. And like fire him and he's like, oh no, small knives, my only weakness. <laughs> and he like dodges the police bullets and he does <laughs> quips. And it's, it's a fantastic scene. But it's the way he goes from like quipping and then webbing the guy to the wall. And then it's this like super dark thing where he like threatens the guy. And he <laughs> goes like right up to him. And it's like this dark shift in tone that's like really odd. Because he's still like interrogating him. But it just doesn't fit Spider-Man because it doesn't. Spider-Man is at its, is at its scariest because there's like loads of comics where they go like the villains uh, get scared of Spider-Man when he's not quipping because it's like oh god what have we done yeah yeah I I think the biggest um, I definitely get that tonal thing and there it, you do get that especially in the first film mainly because it seems to be going for this sort of 
much more grounded, very much leaning away from the campiness of the Raimi films, which makes sense because it's you wouldn't a want to do the it's same a sli- again. Yeah, yeah, slightly different era. But but that's the problem um, is that on the one hand they are trying to be this grounded, gritty telling of Spider Man, and then the villain is a giant lizard man, and I it's want like to be a lizard. They, they just don't they just don't quite reconcile the two. Not properly. I want to be a lizard, yeah. Peter. I love lizards. Um, yeah, uh, but the other big problem with this, with The Amazing Spider-Man for me is that it feels at its weakest when it's trying to restage and retell the origin of the first Raimi film, but it does so in a much clunkier and much less efficient way, down, yeah. to, the, down to the general structure of it, down to the dialogue, the classic one being... They're very scared of saying with great power comes great responsibility. And so they get Martin Sheen to sort of blunder out. If you have the ability to help other people and and you and and you have that power, then you have the moral obligation to do those things and help the other people you see. It's about choice. Yeah. And it's like it just doesn't roll off the tongue in the same it's way. It's like you get it, you understand it, but mm. it does make it weaker. Like yes. it yeah. unfortunately just has less of an impact when there's a reason that, that phrase lives on and like that mm. phrase has been so popular is because it like it works it's just a really simplified yeah. version of the of the moral compass of Spider-Man. Mm. And that's the thing if you don't want to I can get why they didn't want to say it because it's still very heavily associated with Tobey Maguire but then just don't do the origin because again I think on a bigger level that's the problem with the film it is trying to redo a story that we're all very familiar with and have seen done very efficiently. And, and it doesn't quite, it just doesn't work in the same way. Even as it throws in these sort of curveballs about, ooh, but Peter's parents are gone. And it's like, I don't care. Peter's parents are defined purely by their absence, which immediately makes them not interesting because yeah. they have no impact on him. Because like, it's the whole thing of the, this idea of like an orphaned character that mm. their parents are supposed to be inherently interesting because they aren't there. And you're like, what happened to them? And when they come back, they're supposed to be inherently loved because you're like, you're like if you're it's the it's the will smith in the fresh prince uh thing of like his dad comes back oh right yeah i don't like didn't, a real didn't see that bit, comparison like, coming but, but um, i like it but it's like the idea that his dad comes back and you know, he's mm. not been there for 14 15 years and will like loves him again and is like yeah. and, and uncle phil's like he ain't he hasn't been here like mm. why like don't get don't uh, forgive him for because he's not been here he's not gonna be here yeah and then he goes again and so it's that idea that we're just supposed to be excited when if, when or if Peter's parents come back mm. and it's like oh my god it's his parents isn't even though they've just not been there yeah so why but would it, we care but from exactly and from our story perspective the bigger impact feels like it should be should be Uncle Ben yeah That's because the death he's that matters the one because yeah. he's the one who's raised him they, it's weird they even we'll get to this one in the second one I'm sure but they even sort of call this out but then forget it because so much of the movie stresses Peter's father and almost forgets Ben in a weird way yeah. and then the second film has uh, Sally Phillips sort of call this out where she, you know, one of the better scenes of that film, I'd say, where she says, you're my boy. I'm the one who raised you. I'm stop chasing the ghosts of your parents because I was here every day through all the shit. And now you're just going to walk away as if I was just your caretaker or something. Yeah. And that's really good. But the problem is the film itself doesn't heed Aunt May's words because it seems so fixated on his parents. Again, it feels... Um, well, we'll get to the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes. Um, but like it's, it, it's, again, you feel that studio interference of trying to build a larger yes. thing around yeah. it and trying to make it more than it needs to be. Mm. And, and uh, so because I was also just wanting to add, um, the reason why I mentioned Uncle Ben as well is because his death scene is so dumb in this. I'm sorry. It's just, why does he grab the gun? Why does he... No one else is there. He's not... He can just let that guy go. He's not threatening anyone. I know that seems like a very self-protection attitude, but also it is. It's more impactful, I think, to not see the actual thing that happens because you're seeing it from Peter's perspective, which is why that's how they do it with Raimi. It's yeah. they, they don't... You He sees the robber go past, he ignores it, and then he sees the aftermath of the tragedy. Yeah. When you see it... When you see it, it's very coincidental. Yeah, he doesn't. He like the guy leaves the store Mm. and then immediately comes across Uncle Ben. Yeah, presenting it, presenting it as Peter not seeing him, emphasizes how this could have been anyone. It could have been some random old man. It just happens to be someone Peter knows. Presenting it as 
showing Ben meeting the robber, thinking he's going to be a vigilante and then just getting <laughs> shot emphasizes the coincidence of it and is also like, also Ben seems Parkers kind of are stupid. Yeah, Ben seems kind of reckless, not going to lie. Now is the time for me to... Like, I'll, oh, I'll be Spider-Man. Yeah, even if it was that the guy was mugging someone else. If, mm. like, that guy was mugging someone and then yeah. Ben sees it, tries to stop it and gets shot by that. Yeah. That adds, like, a layer of... Oh, it makes sense for Ben to intervene. Mm. At this point, why, as Uncle it's Ben... It's a deserted street. Yeah. No like, one's why there. would you be like, that guy is dangerous. Yeah. I'm gonna stop him. I'm the, gonna be the one to stop him. Because it's not like he's gonna be harming anyone. It's like... Yeah. It creates this weird um, dilemma of, you know, you're either like Peter, where you just let the thing happen, the bad thing Mm. happen, or you're like Ben, where you try and stop it and the bad things happen to you. Yeah. So, like, who's the good guy there? Like, Mm. there's no no one's a good guy. Yeah, it doesn't quite work. And also, it tries to, again, it's caught in this very strange middle ground because it's trying to portray Peter as an outcast, but also shows him being much more socially confident in a way that feels like it clashes. Because, again, I like that they're going for a more nuanced take, that Peter isn't, like, completely devoid of friends. He has friends, but he's still bullied. But then the movie, like, the attitude that Andrew Garfield expresses, which isn't his fault, but, like, through the way the character is written, just feels like, I don't, I just don't buy into this kid being bullied in that specific way. Yeah. And, like, because I've seen a lot of people talk about it in the way that he's not, um, like he's not a loser in this, and he's not. He bullied. skateboards to Coldplay. Yeah, That's and what like, he does. And, like he's cool, and that, and that it's fine yeah. that he's cool. Mm. It's the it's just the idea that um, they want to have it both ways. Yeah, they're trying to have it both, and like we we just don't even talk about the basketball scene. Like it's, yeah, oh, it's just odd that you'd just be like. No one's gonna remember that, and also that it's, the football and it. That's not even like sorry, not to nitpick, but that just doesn't even look good either because he the why would the ball bends the pole i like not to get really you know finicky about it or anything but i'm just like i think because it's a small projectile i'm just so like fast but everyone sees it it's in full view of everyone on the the field and it's the fact that like it's a really cool moment except for that it would be a cool moment if almost throw it it would almost be a much better moment if no one else was there if he just did that by himself but then something something of a similar i don't know just the lo- whatever. <laughs> I, I think I'm it, saying something of a similar nature. Yeah, I just I think it'd be himself. fine if he just caught it and threw it without yes. doing it. And like you yes. don't need to see it break the post. Uh, again, like. it's like a less efficient version of him beating up Flash in the school in uh, the first Raimi film because he doesn't. Yes, it's odd that he's suddenly able to backflip, but it's you know it it's it's just it's campy. A, yeah, it's just a it it a, yeah tone is a lot of it, and also it's it's just sort of fits into those kids perception of him being weird yeah whereas with that it's just though i do very much like i will say that the turnaround on this is that i really love that after ben dies flash comes up to him and tries to sort of reconcile a bit yeah like a little nice little added depth to flash there that you don't see i think in any other version of him you know tony revelory is very funny but again you don't he's more yeah. of a punching bag ironically for the jokes of the film than anything else yeah which and is that's the thing is that Flash yeah. is obviously there's you know 60, 70 years of comics mm. that can develop Flash where they can have these little moments and stuff but he is obviously a more complex character than just he's the bully like yeah. when he gets out of high school he becomes more of a friend and then uh, Agent Venom is a whole thing and like there mm. is more to Flash that he's not just some asshole who punches Peter when he's yeah like there's more to it and they he's used to done... be friends in when they were younger as well mm. in like other versions of it yeah it's it's a good I think. Uh, sort of redrawing of that even if it isn't entirely clear over where exactly Peter stands in like the social status of the school yeah. but you know and and, it, and that's not it sounds like I'm like drilling into this but it's not because it's not a problem as much as it just it makes it that little bit less cathartic when he's given these powers because yeah. it, that's one of the the look of joy on um, that Tobey Maguire gives as he's climbing that wall you feel it because this is someone who is literally never seen by anyone as much as we like to make fun of like what did he do to annoy everyone it's meaningful because this is someone who has been ignored by everyone suddenly being like that and it's great and you know it's it's both a sort of advantage and a drawback with garfield's portrayal to have it be uh him more sociable but also less transformative yeah i think that's a good um that's like getting into the details of his 
introduction, I think. But once you become Spider-Man, I think that Garfield really sinks into it very well. Yeah. I like, because I think we've talked a lot about this sort of the elements that don't quite work, and there are mm. more that we can discuss in yes. the second part of the film. Yeah, but yeah. There's a lot of things to like as well. Yeah. As you said, like when he becomes Spider Man, dialogue wise, he's one of the mm. best Spider Men that we've had. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, they, they may, the way they work the quippiness into the fights. And the way they do the choreographs of the fighting yes, is yeah. genuinely amazing. I, like I, the way he fights like a spider is mm. still one of the, the smartest decisions that anyone's ever made yes. to be like, why don't we make him fight like a spider would? Yeah, I love that. Mo- there's a moment where he sort of crawls all over the lizard and encases yeah, him in webbing, him. which is great. Uh, it's creepy as well. It's like, yes, ah. yeah. And I, I love the way that Mark Webb films swinging through New York. It's so good with the POV shots. He, there's a lot of um, very big contrasts in how he'll have Spider-Man move differently within the same frame. Because it's a very, because it sounds like a very specific moment. But when at the, in the final fight, when he's like thrown off the Oscorp tower and he catches, he like shoots up a web and then swings down. You see in the same shot where he gets thrown off, he swings down, hits the building, and starts crawling up again. And it's like it's just a great sort of visual display of all of his abilities. And I love little details like the lights on the web shooters that flash every time. It there's, I'm I'm sort of mixed about the suit because I think visually it's a little unappealing, but I like the thought behind what if someone actually designed this? Yeah. What if the eyes were made of like sunglass lenses or and and the the web shooters were a little bit exposed and it had seams on it and and again it it doesn't look crisp enough, but that could be the point. It looks wet all the time somehow. That it's suit. the basketball feel, isn't it? Yeah, and like I have come around on the on the Amazing Spider-Man one suit because mm. I like I didn't really like it when it first came out, and now I like it because I've seen a lot of different versions. Yes, it, of different it's a suits. very different take on it. Which yeah, is, and it's like which oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like it, and it has a texture that feels like it's lacking from Tom Holland's one, especially. I yes, think. definitely. Um, where that one feels a bit too especially with as you go into like Iron Spider stuff, but that one feels a bit too out of this world. Garfield's one of the first Spider-Man. Almost, it's almost impressive to see them go to the detriment of this looking nice. Let's just make this as real as possible. Yeah. But again, this is the problem. It's contrasted with something as sort of outlandish as the lizard. And I, and I say this as well because it's not just the appearance of him that looks sort of weird. It's his whole position in the film. His, like... Because there's a lot of potential to get a grounded human tragedy, I think, in Kurt Connors. But uh, this is why I think he needs a lab coat for a start. Like, it's a reminder of his humanity that he's lost. And I, and it just... You don't get that um, sort of gradual descent that I think would elevate that character. He goes from being literally a human who... you know, And it also doesn't help that, like Norman, his superiors are annoyed with him at Oscorp. So he started experimenting on himself. Yeah. And then gets transformed into a monster. But then the fact that his motivation wise, he jumps from that to immediately being like, everyone should be lizards. <laughs> it's not really a personal thing. It's just a, I'm going to destroy every, all of New York because yeah. everyone would be better off as lizards. Yeah. It's the thing. It's the, it's the, the logic leap of him being like, this worked out well for me. So mm. everyone should get yes, it. And like, yeah. cause there's a world in which that works. But it's not this one. I'm not saying it's too silly a concept either, because it's a it's an inherently silly movie. Yeah, but it, and it like, just it doesn't. He's a silly villain. He's a lizard. He's a yeah. lizard. Um, I miss the snappy jaws as well. Yeah, I they wanted to a have. A, yeah, I I get why again because I think that shape face allows it to be a bit more expressive, but it's more. But it loses some of that menace. I think. Yeah. I don't feel I don't feel the lizard as like a a threat necessarily. Even when he literally, it says a lot that he literally stabs, um, you know, Dennis Leary. And I generally don't see him as like this big force for Spider-Man to beat. Yeah. There's like one time when he like claws the suit a little bit. Yeah. But that's like the most damage he actually does to... (laughs) That that happens after one of my favourite plot points in the film. Not because it's very good, but because it's just... And again, it's a little problem with the consistency of Peter Parker, how he's written. The fact that he leaves a property of Peter Parker sticker on his camera that he's using to take secret photos while dressed as Spider-Man. And that's how the lizard finds out who he is. It's like he's, it's like an episode of The Simpsons where Bart leaves a property of Bart Simpson on his voice recorder that he puts down a well. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, it, the classic... <laughs> it's one of those things where it's classic like... Classic label maker. It kind of makes sense because like... 
it probably would like you know label his camera but it's one of those things that feels contrived when you just see it narratively and you start like thinking about it because you're like that's the way that this is found out that's yeah like it it would it would work as a funny throwaway i think yeah as a as a funny he's learning to be spider-man not so much as the major plot point that kicks off the third act essentially because that's why the lizard goes to his school which is a great sequence i hate i don't like the way it the motive behind it or the reason it happens but i love him the whole fight in the school i think that's excellent great stan lee cameo yeah as you said there's a lot of cool variations in spider-man's fighting and same with the lizard when the tail falls off and everything and yeah it's it's good stuff yeah. and um i'd also add that great chemistry between emma stone and andrew garfield oh absolutely like really good. i mean you can tell that they were dating at the time yeah like... well kirsten Dun- kirsten dunstan and toby Maguire are dating in uh, the first one it's happened in every Spider-Man yes they've ev- they've yeah none of them have managed to avoid it so far it's the chemistry it just mm. comes off but something the... about those web shooters yeah of the three couples they just have the best chemistry they're just the most entertaining to watch they're the ones that immediately click, which almost, again, it, it feels like, if anything, I think they'd have been better off just to skip the part where they're, where they don't know each other and just go straight to the part with, yeah, they're already a couple. Like, cause again, cause they're going for a different kind of Peter Parker who's more socially confident. I don't, I just, I think they could have benefited a lot. Cause as like I said, I think the weakest parts of Amazing Spider-Man are when it is trying to just repeat the steps of the origin we know. I think it would be a much stronger film if it just started from a place of maybe after he's been bitten, maybe maybe when he and Gwen are already an item, you know, just something in that region, I think, sort of midway through the first act. Yeah. I think it would be... Just... I think what it is is that when they were making these, they almost wanted to, they wanted to be starting their own thing, right? And they wanted yes. to have almost replaced the Raimi films mm. as this is the Spider-Man story. Yeah. And I think it says a lot as well that everyone was praising um, Homecoming when it came out of, we don't need to see um, the mm. everything about like the origin story again, because yeah. we know it. We, and mm. then a few minutes later, everyone's like, but what about Uncle Ben, though? Why, why, why don't we see some Uncle yeah, Ben stuff? I think, I think the best medium between this is something like Spider-Verse, where you yeah. give people enough details to sketch it out, but you don't you don't go through every step of it painfully. Yeah. Like with this one, where it, oh, hey, Uncle Ben, don't oh, they're making me attached to you. I wonder what's going to happen. But then it, again, with Spider-Verse, we do get the um, Uncle Aaron. Yes, it's the same thing. But you like, don't. But you don't expect it because it's in a different context. Yeah, I think it's reframed in such a way that it feels fresh. Um, I also want to say the 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 final fight in this one as well. The the whole sort of third act. Something I that sort of stuck out to me is that for a good half an hour, it feels like it's constantly trying to one up itself with dramatic moments that don't all land in the same way. Like you get the all the cranes going round, and that's a big New York moment. Which is like okay, I you know, um, and but then you also get him confronting Captain Stacy, and then the mask gets taken off, and him taking down all those uh, cops with his hands cuffed, and and then you, cool. yes, it is exactly it is cool. But and then you have you know him going back onto the roof, and then uh, there's a lot of big visual fight. This is the final fight moments as he's battling the lizard up there. But then Captain Stacy turns up, and then he's like, "I've got this, Peter." And then he gets killed, and then that he has to fight the lizard again for another showdown, and then it's and then he has to go to see Captain Stacy who's dying, and it's like, and then that isn't even the end of the movie. There's like a whole other grieving Gwen moment, and it's like it keeps trying to go further, and it just sort of runs out of steam, I think, because yeah. it's dragged out a bit too long. Like these. And again, that's what I mean. I think if they were spread, all these moments were spread out a bit more, they might be a bit more effective. But because they are just one after another while the plot is trying to wrap itself up, it's just... And it's a confusing ending when, though I do like the uncertainty of it, but it's a it's a strange tone to strike of Peter may be endangering Gwen here, but he also isn't, but he's going against her dad's wishes. But I guess, well, hey, we're swinging through New York. I guess it's triumphant. I don't know. Yeah. And and this will segue us nicely into mm. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because we've talked for a half an hour oh, about God. this film. Okay. But the, um, I think it will segue us nicely into it is that where that film leaves on the uncertainty of um, Peter being given a promise to not endanger Gwen mm. and Peter basically being like, that's the best thing about promises. Yeah. You don't have to keep them. Yeah. 
um, and being kind of an asshole a little mm. bit. That does get explored a lot more in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yes, which begins it, to a compliment to it. It does do quite well yep. in exploring their relationship and how Peter's promise is affecting him and her, and how she believes it's her own agency, but he's mm. still like haunted by that ghost of yeah. her dad. Yeah. And it's just there's a lot no nice stuff in there. Once again, they're far and away the best part of the film. I think. Yes, the Andrew and um, Emma. I think they're they're genuinely great. Yeah. Um, and again, you can tell they're actors who are on the verge of making like a big breakthrough, even outside of blockbusters, because this is the year Emma Stone was in Birdman, and then two years later, they're both Oscar nominated. She wins the Oscar two years later for La La Land, but Andrew Garfield is also nominated that year for Hacksaw Ridge, and was in a Scorsese film. Like that was his other film that wasn't even up for awards. Like that's insane. Like they're so good that it brings me down a little how muddled the rest of the film is around them. Yeah, and, and it, again, so but it's again, it's a case of tonal inconsistency because they're giving these very real, emotionally authentic performance, and then you have you know Paul Giamatti who was told by Mark Webb, I have to imagine there is no such thing as too much, as <laughs> was Jamie Fox. Like I, just, whatever they're doing, just doesn't work. I think me. there's that's it. Is that it's it's too much. Yeah, is that there is a a really nice version of I I like the idea of Max Dillon being um a super fan of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I mm. like that um his villain essence is brought out by him thinking that him and Spider-Man are best. Like imagine if like it basically like if it's a very wholesome version of like what an incel is in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. Imagine if an incel <laughs> God, got what superpowers. a what a sentiment. Yeah, but like imagine if an incel got superpowers. It'd be yeah. awful. It's mega mind, mm. you know, like it's exactly what happens. But that's the thing, for I don't I like that idea, but I don't think there's a tangible connection between Max and Electro for me. Yeah. In the in the sense that the the Max that he is before doesn't really come across to Electro once the switch happens. There isn't. I don't get that sense of like him being specifically embittered at Spider-Man for what he did. It's it's just they. It's like they had a good idea for his motivation and then had a good idea for what his aesthetic would be afterwards. And it does like you know. I'm just saying maybe set up that he likes techno music before as Max. Maybe and yeah. then you know like I'm joking, but it, it it's that sort of thing of I don't see that much of him come through from one side of the character to the other. Yeah, I can, I can get that, and I think the I think what it is is there's a, probably a lot of stuff that got done away with. Yes, because there's the fantastic scene where in Times Square, where mm-hmm. um, Electro is just turned into Electro, and yeah. the police are trying to take him down, and then Spider Man is there, and he's like trying to calm he's the, the situation down, talk it out, and yeah. he's like, "Hey, um, I remember you," but he obviously doesn't really remember him because he's like, mm. "I saves like everybody every yeah. day," so he doesn't really remember everybody's name. But as as a secondary thing, just a thing, the um. There, I I watched it literally like a few hours ago. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> but the there's a fantastic like level of almost montage in it of Spider-Man helping the little guy. Spider-Man helping yeah. people. Like, yeah, that, and it, it works really nicely mm. because like that level of Spider-Man is so good to see. Yeah, he and, where he's literally the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah, it's it's this you with all the grandeur and like the cosmic scale of the MCU. You sort of lose that, I think, in more recent films, where you lose that small scale. He's he's just the like. Remember, he only covers New York. He isn't protecting the world. He's just protecting people in his turf. Yeah, they, I mean, they have the whole line of him like, "Can you just be a friendly neighborhood?" Yeah, yeah, thing? yeah. But um, yeah. So um, the electro scene where like I think the best scenes with him as Spider Man in these movies are the ones mm. where he is. Not necessarily just fighting, but like where he's saving people, saving people, mm. and talking, and just like showing that he's a good person on the yeah. like he's being a good hero. One of the best, I think, Spider-Man sequences ever is just that little bit where he has to save everyone on the red steps. I forget what they're called. Yeah, but, but in Times Square, it's where one web sheet the, goes down. Yes, yes, it's, it's so because it covers so many aspects of Spider-Man. It covers his intelligence and his like versatility and his spider senses that he sees all of this going on at the same time that he's able to work his way around it and that he's able to move so quickly and all of that is working in such a great sort of combination of storytelling that i love that when he does save them they ramp up the score because it feels so earned because i'm like i just witnessed something amazing yeah like it's not often i think in superhero films that you get wowed by 
powers as much anymore because it's so because it's become sort of customary. That's a scene that reminds you how incredible the the whole appeal of these superhuman powers are. That you can do this and save people, and that look, that's the great music, and oh, it's just you love Spider Man. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's a sequence that is visually amazing as mm. well, and that's true for the entire film. Yes. As much as Spider Man is some narrative issues, he, but it's the prettiest Spider Man film. Spider Man has never looked better. I think. Yeah. A, a set, well, yeah, in live action, visually, the design of the suit, the way he moves, the way he swings around New York, the way that Webb films it. I love that opening shot where he starts above the entire New York skyline. I don't know how he got there, but it doesn't matter. It's great. And, and Hans Zimmer's score is really good. And it's even the last shot that infuriated so many people, and I get why, but great stuff when he's swinging around. And the, and again, that great Hans Zimmer score is just ramping up. And and I like the idea of that finale. Yeah. It's just that it feels so short-changed after the marketing campaign That's they it. Did. It's that if it wasn't in every trailer, mm. we wouldn't expect and to I think, see it. I think if we got a bit more of Rhino in addition to that as well. Because yeah. he was so advertised as being one of the main villains. That's it. Again, Again it's, it's a marketing, a marketing yeah, issue. But, but it's so... Yeah, it, if if you put that in without saying Rhino's in this film, it would just be a, oh, that's a tease for the next film. I think the best way of comparing it is look at the end of The Incredibles. Yes, yeah. And then compare that to this. And mm. it's like... It's like if The Incredibles advertised Mole Man, Underminer. The villain, He's not like, Mole Man, that's the guy from The Simpsons. Underminer. Underminer as the main villain, yeah. Ironically, Rhino was the one that was undermined. Yes. Oh, hey! <laughs> I think it says so much that even if, like, it's not your favourite design of the Spider-Man suit, because there's loads of different opinions about mm. which is the best one, just on a visual level of it looking like a real suit. Yes. When a lot of the time it is CGI, yes. and it's the best use of visual effects of the Spider-Man ever. Mm. The way he swings It is, ripples as well, like yeah, the fabric. Like it, it's, it's a real bit, suit. Like yeah. It feels like real fabric on a mm. person that is a little bit loose because everything skin tight would still crease at points and still yeah, move. Yeah. Like, it contorts to how he moves and we've just spent too much time looking at Andrew Garfield's body. I, w- I mean, I, yeah, I will continue yeah, I mean, to do so. Yes. No but, one will stop um, me. Yeah, and so, just mm. even the way that he moves, like in the first Spider-Man, he does the whole crawling thing, the fights. In this, when he's swinging and he climbs up the web as mm. he's swinging, yeah, little touches like that just be like that makes so much more sense. It gives it so much more of a personality as mm. Spider-Man. And I saw um, someone talking about it the other day about how Tom Holland has takes off his mask a lot, yeah, um, but has the eyes to be like add mm. for expression and stuff. Andrew Garfield doesn't need that, no, because it, he he does so much with his body, yeah that he just doesn't need to have an expression on the mask because mm. he's always just moving his little arms about and yeah fantastic performance I, yeah it, it again it's just it's just such a not to bring it down but it is just such a shame that it because the main issue i think with this film is that it is essentially five movies trying to happen at the same time it is a sequel to what was set up in the amazing spider-man uh it's a story it's a story about an oscorp conspiracy and how peter fits into that it's a story of his parents and them being like runaway scientists or whatever spies yeah spies it's it's electro being involved as well like it's weird to think that you could remove electro from this film and it wouldn't impact the main plot at all yeah i think what it is is that if they hadn't been so determined to have a green goblin in it yes yeah and have him be the one to in uh, incite Gwen's death. Then it would have and like and then remove the parent plot stuff. Yeah, you'd have quite a concise little yeah. plot that you could have I've where been... like Electro would be thrust forward a bit more as the villain. Mm. And like you could you could still have the exact same sequence with Electro killing Gwen. Yeah, like just him. They like they adhere... shocking the tower. Something crashes. Yeah, he falls. They adhere like... a bit too much to well, it's got to be the Goblin who kills her, which is ironic because not ironic, but it's like they bent over backwards to do this so much that they gave us like just an awful Green Goblin. Yeah. Like I'm so I like Dane DeHaan. I think he's got a really good uh, offbeat menace to him yeah. that I would love to see him bring to Harry Osborn and the Goblin, but. God, that design just looks like mechanical vomit. Yeah, it's just, just awful. The weird magic blood plot line. It's and it's just the fact that like, because the... um, he, he he finds his father mm. and he's like, "I hate you, Dad," because you literally don't care about me. And, his and dad, you gave and, me a disease. And it's a it's actually quite a good scene because it's mm. literally like he, he comes home and he's like, "This is now I expected to die with not knowing my son and seeing a stranger." And he's like, "You yeah. sent me a bottle of scotch on my sixteenth birthday. I'm pretty sure your assistant did it because it said with compliments, Norman Osborn." And it's like this bitterness between them, and it's yeah. really good. But then his dad's just then like, he dies. 
have you got the shakes yet? Because yeah. I, it started when I was your age. And then Harry's like, oh, God, I've got the disease. It's genetic. And then 20 minutes later, he's like, he's fully goblinized. He's dying from it. Yeah, yeah. and it's like... It took Norman his whole life for it to metastasize. And, and now he's like, oh, yeah, but it's going to affect you while you're still in your 20s. Yeah, that's it. Is that, like, yeah. if that was using as a way of setting up Green, uh, you know, Harry mm. becoming the goblin in the yeah. third film. Yes, that yeah, that I'd love to introduce. Really well. I'd love to introduce in the Harry way in one film. In Spider-Man Two, yeah. they have the reveal of Harry finding the goblin room. Yeah. It sets him up for the three, mm. and like it, it, we yeah. just need that. Like also, they brought in Chris Cooper for one scene, like yeah. that. That and that's that's you know. I don't even need a big part. He showed in Little Women he can do great things with just a couple of scenes. But, like, one scene on a deathbed when he doesn't interact with anyone. Yeah, and you don't like, even recognise him. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, I find, and you were talking about the sort of third act with the Goblin, it suffers from the same uh, sort of dramatic tailspin that the first one does. But this time it's even worse because it's not even a case of... Uh, sort of dramatic character beats that were have at least been established in the first film. In this one, it's just empty reveals that don't really mean anything. Like a, a goblin turns up that doesn't have that much impact because we don't know that much about Harry and Peter's they, dynamic. They try so hard to squeeze it into like yeah. a five minutes. It literally flies in out of nowhere with yeah. five minutes to spare. And then that like derails the rest of the film as well because then like... This is Peter, when after Gwen's death, that's Peter at his absolute lowest, I think. Maybe ever, like, you could get. In, in any Spider-Man story you could tell, I feel that would be Peter at his, like, rock bottom. And they skim over it in about ten minutes. Whereas, contrast to something like Spider-Man 2, where that's, whether that's Peter at his lowest or not, 40 minutes of the film are spent of him being absent. It just, they want so desperately to have a cathartic, triumphant return at the end and it just doesn't hit because it's like i have not had i feel like i'm still processing emma stone's death to be honest yeah and i think in some ways it's the the victim of being the death being too good as mm. well is yes that yeah everything about that final fight mm. um i will say i i am a fan of the itsy bitsy spider dubstep mm, i like I, it Again, uh, if it was in a more tonally consistent film, it would work. If it was it's, in a Raimi film, it would work. I think, I think it it rides that really nice line of that's actually quite menacing. Mm. The idea that like he's like I'm I'm gonna kill you, but I'm playing this little like ha ha yeah. I'm gonna get you. But um, everything about this like it's and and Electrify is really cool. The idea mm. that like he like uses all the webs, puts it together as like using intelligence and science, and that's yeah. like the way that um that isn't used a lot in the Raimi films is that the, these films really market uh, Peter's intelligence and yes, his like yeah. scientific mind mm. and how that is really important for how he solves problems as yeah. Spider-Man and using Gwen to help with that. So it all works really well. Then the Goblin comes in and yes. fucks it all because they're trying so hard to squeeze in like leading... I, I don't remember the sequence between except for the really pretty shot where he drops Gwen and he jumps from the top of the clock tower and catches Gwen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they smash through the window. Again, Mm. visually amazing. I do like the intensity of that, though, as she's, as, you know, it's an obvious one, but I'll allow it because these movies don't have to be subtle. The time metaphor and the clock. and But I I like the intensity of that as it keeps ramping up. Yeah. But again, I don't... The gears turning and it's like cushions. And it gets... There's sort of close, weirdly, to that desperation that I was talking about with the first Jamie film, where they're both literally just clawing at each other, that Harry Harry and Peter, basically. Yeah. Um, and again, that would be really powerful if we had more time to develop them. That's it. If, if this was in a third film, that would be... A, like I feel like my heart would be in my mouth at that point. Even if, That's the thing, is that you take that, you remove Harry from it, yeah. put that out, a weakened Electro now, mm. because he's been like hit with all this electricity stuff, so he's a weaker version of that. Yeah. And they're just like... They're Yes, each they're other just fighting each other. Yeah, and that's like, and still leading to Gwen's death. There, mm. it's so much and more impactful. The like, way that Garfield reacts to it is oh incredible. God. That's a great performance. And the fact that we definitively see the yes, smack. yes, the the hit. And it's I think that's a good way of doing it as well because on some versions she's sort of. It's always debatable whether she was killed when Goblin threw her, if the whiplash effect got her, or. What that is, I think this is a great middle ground of he just wasn't quite there. He didn't quite do it. He yeah. did like he caught her, but it was the bank, the elasticity of the web. It just wasn't enough to get snap her up before. I think that's a really good way of designing it. Yeah, um, and of course, like just on a, a bit, again a visual level. Yeah, 
amazing sequence, like the little hand in the web. Yeah, yeah. Out. It's kind of, again, it's obvious, but I, I like it. Again, there's no room for subtlety. That, yeah, that's not a bad you don't thing. Need no, no. Here. Um, and like seeing the reflection in the the eye lens again yeah, is yeah. like it is it's just an, like mm. it's so pretty it's you were saying earlier about how um like andrew garfield spider peter parker feels like the one who's most sort of scientifically versed and like adaptable and that's what makes it frustrating that so much of this film is him reacting to things rather than having any agency i feel yeah there's no like it's your parents did this or a secret corporation is spying on you or you know, they're conducting experiments and they're planning to release Electro and there's a Sinister Six that's being developed just to destroy you. And none of this is remotely impacted by what Peter personally does through the film. Yeah. The own, the biggest decision he makes in this film is when he decides he's going to go with Gwen. Yeah. And, and then that's immediately undercut by the fact that they are, like, that she's gone. Again, which is, like... I guess it's to heighten the tragedy of it, but at the same time, it's like, this is the only active decision he's made in this film. Yeah, and, that and, and breaking yeah. up with Gwen earlier in the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not even, even even then, though, he like he's talking about how he can't do it, and then Gwen mm. has to cut the ties. Cause I, and, and maybe that is, you know, part of the point that Peter doesn't give himself agency because he's like, he's guilt-ridden uh, with the, the guilt over like her father and stuff, and he doesn't want to commit to make these decisions. And then when he finally does is when the tragedy strikes. And maybe like and again, I think you can make the argument that that is like good and that there is I think the thing and the more I think about the Amazing Spider-Man 2, the more I genuinely like it. I think it's uh, I think there are it's just parts of it that I like, but I think it it's sort of it's one of those things where I would love to sort of separate the bits that really work from the mechanics of it. Yeah. But, and and that's sort of the problem as well, especially because those sequels were cancelled is that now all the hints and all the setups feel even more empty because it was like I remember when I first saw it, I thought that was okay. I I think I I remember recognizing immediately like this feels like they've jumped way too many steps at once. But I, at least they're here now. They can maybe take it in an interesting direction, and then they never did. And because of that, the setups feel even more hollow. Like the plot mechanics sort of weigh down even heavier on whatever theme it's trying to go for because it just and you can see this good film clawing out constantly. Like Mark Webb directs it very well again. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone have really good performances. It just needs to be tighter and less concerned with that. It feels like they're more concerned with the movies they were going to make than the yeah. ones they're making right now. And and I think that is that is the the, the perfect sentiment mm. of those two movies is that Sony above them were trying to build something they're just still trying to build now but with an entirely different with a lot less refinement I think yeah and but like and less direction in what they wanted to do and yet it's working better do you know what I mean? There's like when you look at Venom existing now and they're yeah. doing Morbius, we're more interested in those yes. things now. Yeah. Because at least we're just like, oh cool. Yeah, I'll go watch Morbius. Sure, make it random, whatever. Yeah. And like yeah. and Venom and Venom like the Big Carnage are sleeper cult ca- classics. Like, <laughs> I love them. They have yeah. such a great time because they're just having a bit of fun. They feel exactly and that's what I mean earlier when I said I think that's the sort of level, I think that's the scale you would want to do with bringing Sam Raimi and Mark Webb back if you wanted to because and I'm only saying this because there is like you know people having this new appreciation of all the previous incarnations of Spider-Man I feel like if it was going to happen and crazier things have happened I never thought that the Snyder Cut would turn into a thing and then somehow it did if it was going to happen I think that's the scale they should pitch it at as we're getting these sort of blockbuster but modestly budgeted blockbusters to these directors to let them finish off their stories because as i said it's a real shame that andrew garfield doesn't get that closure yeah and i think that that's the saddest part is that like mm. i can accept that toby's peter parker didn't really have anywhere else to go yes there, there was th- there even... things that could happen to him yeah. and around him but there's nowhere else for him as a character to go mm. andrew garfield's character basically just got the shit kicked out of yeah. him in the last five minutes yeah. and then was like You've got so much where to, so much to go, buddy, mm. and then they never went. Again, that again, it's one of those things of the cancellation of it. That this is the problem when you put too much time into uh, sort of setting up future installments because if they don't happen, then you are kind of it actively hurts the movie you currently have because you know you could say, well, we don't need to see 
like half an hour of Peter grieving because we'll get to it in the next movie. But then the next movie didn't happen and now it just feels rushed. Now yeah. it just feels like, are you saying he got over Gwen's death it, because a kid looked cool in a Spider-Man costume? I know yeah. that's not what they're saying, but still. Also, ge- just very small note, geographically, that last scene is very confusing as well. I get what they're going for, but that kid is like in barrack, like overhead shots have people way out of the way of the rhino and then that kid is right next to him and able to run there and then spider-man just hands him back and it's just a little it's a little scatter shot that's a little thing i know but it's but as i said i really like that final shot yeah even if it is infuriating because i'm like the point of a trailer is if you put a big shot in it like that is that if you see the movie you'll see the rest of that shot yeah it's the equivalent of the force awakens ending right when kylo ren charges at finn yeah, because if you remember that shot in the trailer where it's like John Boyega ignites lightsaber, Adam Driver ignites his, they move towards each other. Cut to the title. If the movie had played and you just had that, there. yeah, that's directed by J.J. Abrams. We did ah, it, everybody. We did. Done did it. Overall, just mostly what I'm reminded of with the Andrew Garfield ones is a sense of potential that was never quite capitalized on. Yeah, I'm like these. Both times they feel like they're just let down by the mechanics of studio filmmaking, just not quite allowing them to do what they want. Very is that a good? Is yeah. that a good summation? I I, I guess so. I I think just um, he good Spider Man. He is a very good Spider Man, and he's still, trapped. I, in I stand, yeah. yeah, I stand by. I think still the best actor to have played Spider Man. I I think I would agree. Mm. Even if it's... We still, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see the career that Tom Holland has. Yeah, that's the thing. And I would love like... to see Tobey Maguire make, like, a comeback now with the recent interest. But I think as it stands, Garfield is the one with the biggest range that he's seen. Yeah, but to be fair, um, I'm, I don't know what the name of the film is, but I've seen a lot of clips of it. Is the, the Tobey Maguire film where he he's come back from war. It, oh, Brothers, Brothers with uh, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I have seen. It's okay. It's just that Jake Gyllenhaal is in like is giving a very different kind of performance to him and kind of steals the show a bit. But he would because he's Jake Gyllenhaal. So. Which is that's ironic because he was going to be Spider-Man as well. He yeah. was up for the role. But, that's yeah. the thing with J.J. You know, we know him all too well. Yeah, exactly, we do. Exactly. <laughs>